Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. There's just something God wants to do today. And, and that's a kind of a silly statement because there's something God wants to do every day. You know, but, but this morning, I actually posted this on Facebook uh, while I was upstairs that, that I really think that, that we want to come with an expectation in our heart that God wants to do something special every time we get together because the potential is there. The, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Uh, and, and there is a corporate anointing, and, and I don't mean to be overly Christianese there. But what that means is that when a bunch of people get together in faith, there is an atmosphere that's created that allows us to experience an encounter with God in an easier way than so often we can do it on our own. Now, I have had epiphanies, Damascus Road experiences, by myself on a walk with God. But I've also had amazing encounters in services. And I, I never want us to simply look on service as some sort of an obligatory gathering that we do to get, you know, whatever. You know, it, we, it, it's, it's a chance for us to release the supernatural. Because the Bible encourages us that when we get together, one will have a prophetic word, one will have, a, have something else. There's prayers that happen. And so I want us to have that kind of mentality. And as, as we're progressing in this series on faith, really what I'm saying is I think we need to up our expectations because there's way more that God can do in us and through us than we can ask or expect. If we're just open to the thought and the process and the possibility that maybe there's something really special. So having said that, I, I want us to go ahead and get into this fourth part that I've titled Faith for the Kingdom. Now, consider this. It sounds like a, like a dissertation, doesn't it? You know, okay, okay, consider this. The primary reason most people pray is to ask God to do something. Something they can't do themselves. Okay, would you, you know, that, that, that's why we pray. And so when, when we as Christians begin to pray, you know, we pray and we pray. But, but have you ever looked at somebody and say, their prayers get answered way more often than mine do? Anybody ever have that feeling? Well, I have. You ever been jealous of somebody else's prayer life? It's like, what's going on with them, God? You like them better than me. I don't know what's up. And, and that's, that's not unusual. And so my question to all of us is, is there some way we can learn to pray better so that we see more of our prayers answered? How many of you would like to see more of your prayers answered? Come on, of course we would. Now, now just to share with you, this, you know, this is sort of like when my kids were in middle school. You, anybody ever have middle schoolers? Middle schoolers want a lot, don't they? Amen. And there were a few years there where I sort of adopted the, the, the default position that whatever my kids asked for, the answer was no. <laughs> Anybody? I mean, I'm serious. No, I didn't even I mean, this is not a healthy place to be as a parent. But, but you just get worn down. You're tired. You know, it costs you a lot of money. They come in. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And I'm just no, 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 no. And Isabel came in. God love you, Isabel. I, honey, you're, you're, uh, you're incredible. But she came in and she was just asking me for something. And I'm just going, no, no, no. And she gets mad. 
pounds. You're always saying no. You're always saying no. And she storms out of the living room where I'm watching football or something. And I hear her brother David, you know, and I forgot to clear this with you kids. I'm sorry, but I've shared it before. But I hear David saying, Belle, calm down. You're asking him the wrong way. You need to go this and this and this and this, and then he'll say yes. And I'm sitting there going, wait, what? what? And, I, and my mind goes back to like the four things I just said yes to. And he's 100% right. And this epiphany hits me that I'm getting played by a 12-year-old. <laughs> you know, he has done figured out the key to dad. This is how you get him to open the wallet, man. You just go this way. And Bill goes, does it work? Yeah, go try it. And I'm like, come on up. And that's when I kind of had a parenting epiphany that maybe no is not always the right way to respond just because you're tired and you're fatigued. And maybe you ought to give your kids some credit. But, but, but is there an analogous way that we can approach God that we can see more of our prayers answered? Because the apostles were looking for some keys. Because, you know, when Jesus was walking with his disciples who later became apostles, they looked at his prayers and said, you know, God listens to you. You know, hey, can you teach us how to pray? Because we'd like to pray the way you pray, because the stuff that you pray for really happens. And both Matthew and Luke's gospel record this interaction. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, there is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples that is known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Fathers, if you're from a Catholic background. And, and it it. It literally is the most common prayer in all of Christianity. And in the King James, which is how most of us know it, it says this, Our Father, which art in heaven, anybody want to go with me? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Anybody memorize that as a child? You, you have to memorize that for all kinds of things. I had a buddy of mine who was in a fraternity at the University of Missouri, and he had to memorize that to join his fraternity. And, you know, his comment was, I don't know what that's got to do with drinking beer and dating sorority girls, but if that's what I got to do to get in, I'm up for it. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's at least they had the right idea. The point is, it's important. And, and listen to me, you can argue, and I would say that I believe that this prayer serves as the foundation for every other prayer that you or I will ever pray. I want you to chew on that for a second. All of the prayers, no matter what, what they are, prayer for your cousin, prayer for your kid, prayer for you, prayer for healing, prayer for whatever, all of it is built on the foundation of the, the revelation that Christ is hoping to convey in this short passage of prayer. Because in this passage of prayer, he, he talks about intimacy with God. He calls God his father. They wanted to stone him for that. You see, God is not only his father, he's our father. Our father. Our father. Our father who art in heaven. He is not the creator who is distant and, and, and not interested in you. 
He's the father who made you and formed you in your mother's womb and said, you know something? I am excited that you're part of my family. See, if you don't understand that revelation of God as father, you're, you're, gonna, you're never going to really have the faith and the confidence that God hears your prayers. Because God's a way better dad than I am. God's default answer is not no. <laughs> God doesn't grow weary of his middle schoolers asking him for things. You don't need to manipulate him. You don't need to game him. He wants to hear from you. But he goes on, and, and, and there's, a, there's a component of worship and praise. For thine is the power, thine is the glory, thine is the kingdom. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We respect your name because your name implies your character, your majesty, your power. All of your, your name has significance. Names were way more important in the Bible than they are now. People name folks for, you know, I don't know, whatever they see on a billboard these days. You know, that they don't have the panache. They don't have the gravitas that they did in the Old Testament. And yet, we see in this thing, it says that there's, there's this, this component where when we're praying to God, we're doing so from a place of, of enshrining him in our hearts and our minds in the place of power that he's meant to be. There's a place of submission and surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my will. I'm asking you for things, but bottom line is, I don't want anything that you don't want me to have. Anybody ever ask for something that God said no to, and later you went, thank you so much, Jesus. <laughs> that would have been dumb. Absolutely. There's submission there. There, there, there. Yes, he's our father, but you know something? There's also the fact that he's our Lord. And there's this reality in our minds that goes, you know something, I may not understand why his way is better than my way, but I know his way is better than my way. Because he sees the end from the beginning. All of this, you can see it in, in, in this short prayer. There's, there's thanksgiving and confession. Forgive us our debts, our sins. There's an acknowledgement that, that every single person in this room and watching online Every single one of us fails to fully obey God. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I mean, we say that, but, but, but the Bible says if we're faithful to confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive them. When we come to God, it's, it's important that we, that, we, that we embrace confession. And we forgive those who've hurt us, not holding bitterness did you know unforgiveness will stop you from receiving what God has for you? It just will. Why should I forgive him? Because it hinders your prayers. And then there are requests for divine, divine provision, divine power, and divine protection. And all of those things, all of those things that we're talking about in, in this short passage of prayer... All of them are, are, are byproducts of our faith in God to intervene in our lives as Lord and Savior. Essentially, the Lord's Prayer is saying this, and again, this is my opinion. Let the kingdom of God be established in me, my life, my family, my community, my church, and all the world. Let heaven invade earth. 
And that's consistent with, with passages further on in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. I mean, before you ask God to prosper your business, before you ask God to give you children, before you ask God to open up opportunities for you, seek the kingdom. Seek that. Because then everything else will be in order. Then everything else will work together. Then, then the things that come into your life will not pull you away from God, but they will flow with his purpose for your life because you've sought the kingdom. Having faith for the kingdom is key to living the impactful and abundant lives that God desires for us. So what is the kingdom of God? What did Jesus mean by that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. What does that look like? Seek first the kingdom. What does that look like? Well, the expression the kingdom of God is used 162 times according to one source in the New Testament. 162 times, which is a lot. So Christ probably wanted us to understand it. So let me just kind of expound on that. What is the kingdom of God? It's real. I'm describing it. It is not theoretical. It's not a theoretical kingdom. It's an actual kingdom. When Jesus was resurrected after Calvary on Easter Sunday morning and ascended later into heaven to be at the right hand of God, that initiated an inauguration of him, not just as our Savior, but as our Lord. It is a real kingdom. And, and if I could say it this way, Jesus came to earth to establish God's kingdom through a new covenant with Christians, just as he established the nation of Israel through a covenant with the Jewish people. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he, and he transported them to the promised land, he established a country called Israel with himself as the head. When Christ resurrected, resurrected and ascended unto God, he established a kingdom called the kingdom of God for every believer, for every Christian, with himself as its head. Okay? It exists now before Jesus returns, but won't be fully realized until he does. The, the, the term that is most often used is the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. And you can chew on that. But what that essentially means is that, that Christ has established his authority on this earth through us. However, the, the final kingdom of God will not be fully realized until Jesus returns and completely remakes everything. And so we don't have to wait for his second coming in order to experience his sovereignty in our lives, the blessing of him moving in our lives, but we freely acknowledge that the world will never be perfect until Jesus comes back. There will always be conflict. There will always be tension. There will always be, be struggles and, and all kinds of stuff. People will go stupid until Jesus comes back. We will. It's the truth. People will make dumb decisions until Jesus comes back. And so we should not expect the world to ever become perfect because it's not. But we can expect God to move in our lives and always be faithful to the covenant he has made with his children. He will always be faithful to us. 
It's a spiritual, not a physical kingdom. When Jesus was being questioned by Pilate in John 18, they, Pilate looks at him and says, are you a king? They say, you're a king. And he says, yes, I am. But my kingdom is not of this world. He says that. My kingdom is not of this If it was, some folks would show up and kind of take care of this problem. You wouldn't be treating me the way you were if my kingdom was of this earth. Okay? What does that mean? It means sometimes we, we expect Christ to act as if he was already returned when he hasn't come back yet. And again, what does that mean? But it also means that every Christian, every Christian, look at your neighbor and say, hey, he's talking to you. Over there, I'm talking to you, Pennington. You got me? I don't care if you move from there to here. I can still find you. <laughs> All right. Talking to you, every Christian has dual loyalties to both whatever country they live in and to God's kingdom. Now, in the first century, when Christians when became Christians, when we began to be known, one of the accusations that came against the early church was that the Christians were trying to overthrow Rome. They're trying to replace Caesar with whoever. And the enemies of the church would make these horrible accusations against Christians. And often we were tortured and put to death on false accusations. And Paul came out explicitly and said, okay, here's the deal. You need to honor the king. You need to obey the laws unless they're in conflict with what God has directed you to do. There's sometimes that, you know, we just can't do that. And we honor the king. We give respect to everybody, but we just can't do that. And we're willing to accept the consequences for that. I love the class you're starting, Karen. I love that idea. I, I, I know it's going to be great. We are expected to obey the laws of both, unless they're in conflict. But here's the deal. The expectations and conditions of the covenant we have through Christ in the kingdom of God are often in conflict with the culture that we live in. How he asks us to live freaks people out. I was talking to somebody one time and he, he asked me quite poignantly, he said, why do you do this? And he was referring to certain things that, that I, have, I, have, um, I have embraced as, as, a, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that are not necessarily in the short term, at least, to my advantage, okay? And I don't want to belabor it, but I've made certain life decisions. I said, this is what God's word said. That's how I'm going to live. And no, it does not help me in the moment, but that's still how God wants me to live. And I was sharing it with him, and he goes, that makes no sense to me. I think you have a cop-out. I think you're just justifying something. And I looked at him and said, no, I take my vows seriously. And I made a vow to God. I said, Lord... Come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and become my Lord and Savior. And that means something. It means that, that I, I want him to treat me as a son. And I want to experience the fullness of the kingdom. But that also means that I have to be willing to endure some of what may come up because I've chosen to be a Christian and do it with my eyes wide open. It's a place, the kingdom of God, where heaven invades earth. 
and the supernatural is natural. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When the kingdom comes into your life, you begin to to act in a manner that is consistent with being in the physical presence of God. It's as if he was with you. You know those silly bracelets that came out in the 90s, what would Jesus do? You know, and then they would arrest NFL players with, you know, you'd have a WWJD and then handcuffs, you know. It was, I just, you know, I, hey, this is the truth, okay? That's what went down. And, and, and so we sort of lost credibility. But, but, the, but the reality is that, 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 that we want to see supernatural things, that there is a, a, a moment when we gather and we acknowledge the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come where heaven invades earth and sickness is destroyed and poverty is destroyed and, and depression is destroyed and addictions are destroyed and judgment is destroyed and grace and mercy and all those things that are present in heaven become real in our lives because the kingdom of God is real. See, our faith is built on this understanding of God's kingdom. That's how we get our prayers answered. That's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as the foundation for our prayer life going forward. You think he didn't know our prayers would be more complicated than just these short passages? We wouldn't have things we didn't understand that we needed to get off our chest? No, but he's establishing a foundation. And the last thing I want to share with you about the kingdom is that persistent prayer is essential Persistent prayer is essential to experiencing its blessings. Most people know the, the Lord's Prayer as it was, you know, sort of recorded in Matthew's gospel, but a version of it is also in Luke's gospel. Did you know that? Slightly different, but, but essentially the same. And, and Jesus then continued, though. He didn't just say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It says in, in verse 5 of chapter 11, Then teaching them, the disciples, more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. If you came to my house at midnight, you could bang all day. I'm not answering. (laughs) Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. This is Reese, guaranteed. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and throw rocks out the window at your head. (laughs) No, he he will get up and he will give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. You don't care if people think you're crazy. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep crying out. I'm going to keep praying. And so I tell you, Jesus talking here, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You want God to answer more of your prayers? You want to see heaven invade earth? You want to see his kingdom come and his will be done? Ask, 
seek and knock. And most of us are pretty good at the asking part. God, here's what I need. Here's what I need. Here's what I need. Again, what was the most main reason we pray? We want God to do something for us. I'm the same way. I got needs, man. God, hey, I need some stuff that I can't take care of myself. But we get weary in asking because if it doesn't show up in the first 48 hours, we just, you know, move on to reruns on TikTok or something. Do you have reruns on TikTok? Ah, whatever. So you move on. The question is, why did you stop praying? Why did you stop asking? What is it that caused you to grow weary? Why did your coal grow dim around that expectation? But you can't just ask. Jesus didn't say, just ask and God's going to give it to you. He said, ask, seek, and knock. What's the seeking all about? What are you seeking for? Well, the simple answer is wisdom. The more theologically correct answer is God's will. I'm asking God, but I'm not just asking. I'm seeking to understand what it is you want for me. I alluded earlier, have you ever asked for something and God said no and you were grateful? That's what this is about. Sometimes, you know, we have a very simplistic view of the world and we say, hey, I want this and this and this. But we're unwilling to let the Lord bring wisdom and revelation to us to say, if I did that for you, I'm not sure you would like it. Remember Jesus talking to, to the sons of thunder? They said, can we sit at your right hand and your left? He goes, hey, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized in the baptism I'm going to be baptized in? Do you know what you're asking me? That's from the Bible. We have to seek. And, and this is the place where we put God in the position of Lord in our life. I want you to do it even if you don't understand it. I want you to do it even if it's not particularly pleasant for the moment. I want you to do it if you don't even see any benefit to you whatsoever because it is consistent with what I want to do in this situation and I want to use you to make a difference in your generation. This is Stephen going down before all the religious leaders and praying and saying, I'm going to give you my sermon and their response is, they stone him to death. Now, I'm not saying we should pray to get stoned to death, but the truth is Stephen was exactly where he was supposed to be, doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing, and he was doing what God wanted him to do, and the consequence was he was killed. Now, that's not normative. That's an exceptional life. That's an unusual life. But what if he hadn't sought God? What if he just says, God, I want you to use me to reach the world? Great, I got a spot for you right now. You got to be willing to seek. Show me what's going on. Let me know your will. There's a wonderful uh, prayer. I believe it's Paul wrote it. He says, God, give us the desire and the understanding, the, the, the understanding of your will and the desire to do it. That's the essence of seeking. But he doesn't say just to ask. He doesn't say to seek. He also says to knock. And as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I really, I struggled on this point. What the heck is knocking? Well, we know what knocking is, don't we? Knocking is this. Reach over and wrap your neighbor in the head. No, no, don't. No. 
Linda, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> All right, but, but, but you know, we know what it is. You, you knock on a door so that you can get the person on the other side to open it up for you. And clearly, that's the analogy that Christ is talking about. He says, knock and the door will be opened so that you can go into the room that God has prepared for you. But I'm asking myself, well, but in a practical sense, what does that look like? And here's what I think. And you can just consider this for this. Knocking is a petition with, ask, with action. It's a petition with action. You have asked, you have sought, now you're knocking. Salvation requires a knock. The Bible says if any man, you know, believes that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, you know, but then you confess with your mouth, you confess with your mouth. That's the act of knocking. You're saved not just because you believe, but because you respond and you knock. You see example after example in the, in the New Testament of Jesus healing people, not just because they believe, not just because they seek his will, but because they take an action and respond. Again, as we mentioned last week, the woman with the issue of blood reached out to grab the hem of his garment. You know, they're, they're you know, go and do something, and then God answers your prayer. Knocking is, is, is how we get restored often. In the 12-step program, I'm looking at you and, and Linda, uh, Otis, there's that point where you go back to the people you have offended and you, at, and you, you just tell them, I, I did something to you and I'm sorry. How critical is that step in the healing process? It's 100%. If you guys don't know, you know they, they had headed up our 12-step program for many, many years. In, in all faith-based 12-step programs, there is a moment when you own what you've done to other people. You realize that your addiction not only hurt you, but it hurt a lot of people around you. And then there is sort of this this dumpster fire of stuff in your past. And nobody wants to deal with that. Who the heck wants to deal with that? And yet in our recovery, we got to own that stuff. Now, sometimes you can't do it, but, but, but you need to do it. Often restoration requires a knock. It requires us to do something. Promotion, financial blessings require a knock. So the question that I want to end this service with today is number one, I guess I should say the questions. What is it that you were asking for in the past that you stopped asking for today? And why did you stop? Why aren't you continuing to ask? Are you open to seeking God's wisdom and will about that circumstance or that situation? You know, God, what is it you want, you know, what do you want to do about that? I don't understand why it's not going on. To pause and listen. Not just to petition, but to listen. But perhaps, most importantly, what does it look like for you to knock in regards to the need that you're bringing before the Father? What's it look like to knock? What is it, God, you want me to do? What is it you want me to stop doing? What is, what is the response, the petition with action? How is it, God, that I could say, open the door? Because on the other side of that door is breakthrough. On the other side of that door is deliverance. On the other side of that door is provision and blessing and healing and, and, and all the stuff we want. It's on the other side of the door. But we got to 
knock? I can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you where the answer is. The answer is in praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying, I want to have faith in your kingdom becoming real in my life. So I want to pray for you. Everybody in the room, everyone online, I want to pray for you that the, the, the needs that you can write down right now if I ask them, that you would not just have the need, you would have the knock. Father, help me to understand the fullness of the prayer that Christ taught us. Help me to understand the fullness of what it means for the kingdom to become a reality. Let me have faith in your kingdom, in your sovereignty, in your covenant, in your promise, in your laws, in your rules, in your ways of doing things. Help all of us, God, to not only ask but to seek, to understand, to obey. God, show me how to knock. Show me what a knock looks like so that I can enter into the new life that you have for me and the fullness of that life. And for all of us to do the same. Holy Spirit, you just touch us this morning. Touch those online this morning. Let them know there's blessings on the other side. Let them know there's blessings on the other side. There's blessings on the other side. But we got to ask, seek, and knock. Let us be persistent in our prayer, God. I know Redeemers is coming up. I know that that's happening. But I just really feel that this faith series, these four messages, and next week's as well, are building some, th- some stuff in our church, some expectations in our church that we're on the cusp of something. And I don't want us to just sort of come up to the Jordan, look across and see the promised land, and then just turn around and go away. really want us to cross the Jordan. I really want us to enter in. I really want our congregation to experience the fullness of God and all that he has for us. Holy Spirit, move. Um, just, uh, if you're here with a friend or a cu- and you're a couple or somebody that you're comfortable with, would you just hold the hand of somebody that's beside you? Again, if you're by yourself, don't feel compelled to do that. But hold your own hands if you are by yourself. And... and just pray for that person whose hand you're holding, or pray for yourself. Just pray. Say in Jesus' name, bless them. Bless them. Bless them, Father. Bless them. Bless yourself. If you're watching online, you know, bless whoever you're with. Just say, I bless you in the name of Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May you walk in the fullness of all that God has for you. Pray that for that person. Just pray for that person. 
May your doubts be resolved. May your fears be diminished. May your anxieties disappear. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means you, you, you can be in the midst of hell and yet you're smiling. May the peace of God just descend upon you because it comes from the, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.